Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. We're so excited you're tuning into one of our amazing messages. What you're about to hear is going to be fresh, it's going to be real, and it's going to be powerful. It's going to help you to grow stronger in your walk with God. It's going to put faith on the inside of you. It's going to cause you to be able to walk in greater dimensions of blessing and enlargement so that you can be a blessing to other people. Well, lean in, enjoy the word. God bless you. It's, um, it's, it's such, a, such a crazy thing. So let me just say that uh, I also thank God for um, some of the ministries that have risen. Never underestimate that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord always lifts up a standard. Sometimes the standard of the Lord isn't lifted unless the enemy comes in like a flood. And it's not that, it's not that we're out of tune. It's not that we're out of sync with the Spirit of the Lord. It's just that the necessity to uh, innovate. So, for example, you know, the, the rise of public square. And I really want to get behind Michael and Sarah Seifert because, you know, Public Square is incredible. Like the voices that we've had in our church over the last year, had, had things not have gone as AWOL globally as they had, you know, Prager, you, we might just be listening to videos, or, but, but we've had Dennis Prager, you know, twice now. Charlie Kirk has become a staple in, in, our, in our house. Dr. Simone Gold uh, has become a, a voice of clarity in all the medical lies and confusion uh, that is out there. And there's all these relationships and then there's all these innovations. There's all this courage that wouldn't have happened. We wouldn't have had to fortify ourselves. We wouldn't have had to define our positions as clearly had the enemy not come in like a flood. So the, the God that we serve is the Romans 8.28 God, that he makes all things. He makes all things work for good. He doesn't just make the good things work for good. He doesn't just make the, the positive things, the neutral things. He makes even, even what the enemy meant for evil, God is going to turn around it for good for those who love God and are called according to his purposes. So, so we know that right now there's a the Spirit of the Lord is lifting up a stand and all we got to do is keep walking in, in the Spirit of the Lord. We've got to keep walking in the Spirit of, of God and, uh, and then likewise get behind. So let me just say this. Um, my beautiful bride said to me the other day, you know the, the potted plant that we had that we moved into, the, into our, our, our billiard room? I said, yeah. She goes, it died. I'm like, oh, it's so sad. It was such a beautiful plant. But the truth is... I may have forgotten to water it on several occasions. Out of, out of sight, out of mind. And so, so there's, a, there's a principle there that whatever you water, whatever you feed will grow, will thrive. Whatever you starve, whatever you cut off dies. So... If anybody asks you, hey, what is awakened stance on the governor's new mask mandate? It's very, very simple. We will not feed, we will not water tyranny. Like what? Why would we? Whatever, whatever we com and, and compliance is and acquiescence is feeding it, is supporting it. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put a mask on my face. I'm not going to put a mask on my face, not because, ah, oh, you know, you've got that rebellious German, Australian, crazy guy. He's your pastor. He's just, he's just so defiant and, and rebellion. Uh, you, you can't get to, to, to uh, you know, where, where we are if, if my heart was full of rebellion. My heart is full of submission to God. And because it's submitted to God, Please understand, the Bible, says, uh, the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is to hate all evil. So you'll notice, even as I said hate, and I, I intentionally did it with, with emphases, is because the, the, the culture at the moment says that all hate is bad because the devil knows that if he can, if he can uh, neuter the church, if he can make you think that, oh, we're meant to love the evil, love evil. No, no, no. The fear of the Lord is to hate all evil. 
And so, so I will not comply and I will not submit to tyranny. Now, here's the thing. If, if the masks was really about protection, if there was really science and data backing it up, I would say, well, you know what? Hey, at the very least, let's just be optional. If you feel unsafe, put a mask on. But there is zero, there is zero data to support that a mask will protect you from the Omicron variant or from COVID. There is zero data. In fact, all the data shows that the wearing of the, the, the cloth mask actually compromises your respiratory system, which last time I checked, SARS, Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome, attacks your respiratory system. So if, if the CDC and Dr. Fraudchi, Fraudchi, if he really cared about American health, he would say, for goodness sake, do not wear a mask. Get outside, go outdoors, get plenty of fresh air. Build your respiratory system up so that you'll have maximum resistance against a, a COVID SARS virus. But it's the exact opposite. It's the exact opposite. Um, the CDC stats came out today and that they are freaking liars. So whatever they say, you know that it's more. They're saying that 80% of the people that have come down with Omicron, the new Omicron variant, were double vaccinated and 33% of the new cases were even had their booster shots. So what's the point of the vaccination and, and the boosters if it doesn't protect you from the new variants? Let me tell you, let me tell you why they're driving the, the jab, why they're driving the boosters is because the next variant is, is already contained in the chemistry of this vaccination. So this booster, this vaccination will set up the next variant and they need a next variant because they understand that in times of crises, in times of chaos and turmoil, power becomes concentrated into an area and they want power. And so they want to keep this thing going. If, they, if there was no vaccinations, um, right now COVID would be in the rearview mirror. It would be... It would be it would be so far behind us, everything would be open, we'd be moving on, and they would have to give up their emergency powers. They don't want to give up their emergency powers. They are part of a globalist agenda. And the globalist agenda is to take away your freedom, is to make you a slave, is to take away your property, to take away your life. Your life means nothing to these people. How do we know that? Because over 800 thousand people have died supposedly of a virus that was funded by the NIH, Dr. Dr. Fauci in a lab in Wuhan and then unleashed on the world. They don't care about saving your life. They don't care. So say all of that to just encourage you. Um, we will not comply. We won't comply in any of our services. And likewise, what we're going to do is we're going to champion all the mayors. So I want you to pray for... <clears throat> Bill Wells, who is our, you know, East County Mayor, God bless him. He was the first one to come out and say, we will not comply. Um, Richard Bailey down in Coronado, we will not comply. <clears throat> you know, I'm believing that on their courage, San Marcos Mayor will be next, you know. And, uh, and then do this, do this. Like, let people know if you walk into a restaurant and they require a mask, turn around and walk out, say, man, I wanted to spend a lot of money here today, but I'm, I, I will only eat out at the restaurants. I'm only going to go to the cafes, the coffee shops, the businesses that refuse to comply to this tyranny. It is ridiculous. It is ridiculous. So, so let's stand. You know, the Bible says, having done all to stand, stand therefore. Stand therefore. And so sometimes we have to make a stand. It's time for the church to get courageous. It's time for the church to get courageous. The skinny jeans, latte sipping, fake glasses. Didn't work. Wokeness and weakness is identical. God said to Joshua, be strong and courageous. God always moves. When men and women rise in courage, God moves in power. When Esther said, if I die, I die, and walked up to those giant doors and 
pushed them open and walked in uninvited into the presence of King Ahasuerus, knowing that it was a death sentence if you walk in uninvited. And when he sees her boldness, he reaches out his scepter and says, what is this, my love? And she bows down and she says, I have an urgent matter to discuss. And she saved the entire nation. God moved because she was courageous. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, who, who, who will deliver us from the burning fire? Let, let, let me tell you who will. Our God, who we serve, will. And even if he doesn't, even if he, let me, we would rather burn in the furnace than bow before your image. So that, and because of their courage, God moved in power. Because of a 16-year-old's courage facing a giant called Goliath, God moved in power. Because of Joshua's courage, God was able to bring down Jericho, bring down Ai, sack you know, take down all the, the, all, all the enemies of Israel to divide the promised land. When men and women rise in courage, God moves in power. We're, we're wanting to see God move in power. And God's saying, I'm waiting to see people who are strong and courageous. So I've just determined God didn't send us here to play games. God didn't send us here to hide. God didn't send us here to get behind somebody else that God's called us to lead. That's why he re renamed our church Awaken Church going into 2020. And he's saying, hey, I'm looking to you. I need somebody to be bold. I need somebody to be strong. I need somebody to be courageous. I need somebody who refuses to back down because we are here to bring the power of God into our city. Can somebody say amen? And people need the power of God. People need the power of God. Um, a book that I'm on my third listen through at the moment on my audio book is Worshipping the State. It's very, very interesting. So the battle that we're facing right now is not new. This is not the first time uh, the state or, or secular powers have tried to uh, coerce the church, cripple the church, extinguish the church. It's been happening since the time of Christ. Just, just understand, whenever someone tells you about Romans 13, well, your pastor is rebellious. The Bible says, Paul speaking, that we should submit to all authority. Um, you need to understand that the, the, the Romans believed that their, their emperor was not just king, but he was also priest. So when they said, should we pay taxes to Caesar? Jesus says, bring me a coin, bring me a denarius. And the denarius that they brought him had an inscription on two sides, on two sides. But Jesus holds up one side and says, whose inscription? They said, Tiberius. He says, then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar and to God the things that are God. So Jesus makes a distinction between the temporal and the eternal. He makes a distinction between the one who governs the land and the one who governs the galaxy. And because on the back of that coin was the words Pontifus Maximus, because the Romans believed that the emperor was God in the flesh, that he was the high priest. He was king and priest and therefore should be worshipped. The reason that they put animal skins on Christians and had them torn apart by wild animals, used them to light up the gladiator games in the arenas, you know, there were human torches in the streets. The, the, the reason that they wanted to extinguish the Christians was because the Christians refused to bow down and worship. Now, all the other religions, as long as they bow down and worship Pontifus Maximus, could go on and, and carry on with their, their private religion except Christians. Christians couldn't do it because they knew that there was one God who had come in the flesh and you're not him. Jesus Christ is God incarnate. You are not God incarnate. He is, he is God incarnate. And they refused to stand again. Uh, they refused, excuse me, to bow their knee. Rather, they chose to stand against that. And for that, they were persecuted. And so we live in an age today where that same spirit seeks to cripple the church, seeks to get the church to bow its knee. But we cannot, we must not bow our Knee. We need to stand up for truth. We need to stand up for righteousness and we need to stand up for the kingdom of God. Somebody say amen. Amen. All right, really quickly, come with me in your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 19. The title of my message today is Rhythms of Rest. Rhythms of Rest. So um, 
I said to, to uh, my beautiful Pastor Leanne, I said um, that today I wanted to just kind of speak on the six weeks, the six weeks that we had had the break. And, uh, and so let's just go to 1 Kings 19 verse 1. It says, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. God, I love Elijah. <laughs> he didn't just call down fire. He didn't just end a drought. He executed the false prophets. He cut them off. He cut off their heads. He cut off their voice. I, I'm banned on Instagram and I'm not interested in going back because my goal is to cut off their voice. I'm not interested in Facebook. My goal is to cut off their voice. I'm not interested in Twitter. My goal is to cut off all the false prophets, all the false prophets on CNN, MSNDC, CBC, cut off their voices. And we're going to begin to fund the truth tellers because you need to understand Satan's kingdom is built on lies. And the more people that believe the lies, the more converts he has. The more people that hear the truth and escape from the lies, come out from the darkness, the, the more we diminish his kingdom. So therefore we have, I believe, I have a kingdom responsibility to war against cutting, shutting down the lies of the enemy. Let's exit. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life. Isn't that unbelievable? Ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah. And he left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came down and sat under a broom tree. And he prayed that he might die and said, It is enough now, Lord, take my life, for I'm no better than my father's. Then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. Then he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank. And he went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. Elijah has just taken on the 450 prophets of Baal. He's, he's brought fire down from heaven, executed the prophets of Baal, restored the nation. The Bible says in that day, the entire nation began to cry out, the Lord, he is God. Remember his, his challenge was, hey, if Baal is God, worship him. But if the Lord is God, worship him. How long are you guys going to falter? How long are you guys going to compromise? How long are you guys going to just you know, go back and forth? And, uh, and so after he called down fire, the whole nation fell on their face. A whole nation comes back to God in one day because like the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And then after he executes the prophets of Baal, once he clears the airwaves, once he clears the heavenly realm, you need to understand that all the way through your Bible, through my Bible, you, you'll see this term called the high places. But the high places were not brought down. The high places were not brought down. If you travel to the Middle East or if you've ever been to Israel, you'll, you'll notice that where, wherever Islam has a, a piece of territory, even within Israel, they set up their minuets because they believe that whoever controls the high places controls the region, controls the region. That, that, that's, that's, that's why, you know, we have satellites and that's why we have TV antennas and stage because the devil wants he's the prince of the power of the air the prince of the power of the airwaves and so whatever is happening in the airwaves determines the state of the land so what our one of our assignments is to shut down the false prophets the prophets of Baal and the prophets of Asherah pushing sensuality confusion and perversion our, our job is to silence those so that the, the voice of the Lord the word of the Lord is the, the prevailing one in, in that atmosphere and so Elijah before he can hear from God saying that the drought is going to break, he has to execute the false prophets. Once he's executed the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of, of Asherah, all of a sudden he comes over to King Ahab and he says to Ahab, he says, go up to your palace, go and eat and drink. That's what you like to do. He says, I'm climbing back up onto Mount Carmel because I hear the sound 
of the drought breaking and there will be an abundance of rain. They'd been in a, in a drought for three and a half years. And now once he got rid of the false prophets, he could hear again heaven's purpose and heaven's agenda. So our job is to, is to do that. So Elijah has done that. And then he goes up and the Bible says, you know, he, he travails in prayer and he sends the servant. The servant goes, comes back, nothing. Trava six times he sends the servant. Six times the servant returns saying, man, are you, are you sure you've heard from God? And, but on the, he just, he, and then on the seventh time, seven completion on the seventh time, the servant comes back and says, well, you know what? I saw a, a cloud the size of a man's hand rising out of the ocean. And he says, run. Run! You won't even make it to the palace before the whole sky is filled with clouds. The drought is about to break. So he, he executes the prophets of Baal. He shifts a nation. He breaks a drought. Then he comes down and he gets one word. People used to say, man, he can take on the, the, the meanest false prophets and then one woman. And... There is something, though, uh, I, I can handle it. Like if, if, you know, and I love Mikey Yeager, if he come up and punch me in the face, you know, thank you, Katie, thank you. Would you talk to him? Have a word to him. It's quite brutal. Like, you know, if, if handsome Christian, how good was Christian oh. Waples, by the way? Whatever role we put him in. And what an amazing actor. I mean, those kisses look, Wow. Wow, I thought, wow. It almost looks like they're into it. I mean, it's just amazing. Anyway. <laughs> he is one smart man. But there's, there's, something, there's, something about, there's something about a woman's voice. She was created for, for intimacy. She was created for close proximity. She was created for... So there's something about a woman's voice that seems to, to go beyond. I can handle from, from a man. I can handle from, but when, when, if, when my bride, it just it carries a, a deeper. And so he gets a word from Jezebel that I'm going to kill you just like you killed my prophets by this time tomorrow. And he tucks tails and runs. Now, fortunately, there's a God in heaven who hears everything the wicked say. And how many people know that Elijah didn't die the next day? How many people know that one year passed and he didn't even die on the anniversary of the threat? How many people know that a decade passed and he didn't die on that? Do you know Elijah never died? Did you know that? Only two people went from earth to heaven without having to die, Enoch and Elijah. When God heard what Jezebel said, he said, uh-uh-uh, oh, no, you didn't. And he said, he will never die just to show that you don't need to bow your knee to the threats of a new Salini. You don't need to bow your knee to the threats of globalist dictators. There is a God who is seated on a throne far above all principality, power, all thrones and dominions. But, but, it, but Elijah, it, 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 it messes with me that Elijah is in the wilderness, depressed and suicidal. And the reason is, is because he himself executed all 450 prophets. Like, how many are we up to? 272. We're just over halfway. Oh, shoot. You know, and he's like, you know, and then 400 prophets of Asherah. So, and then, he's, then he goes back up and he's shabrata, rebedebetzibara, ending a drought. You know, he, 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 was, a, he was a one-man powerhouse. And, and kudos to him, kudos to him. What an extraordinary, what a, what a freaking legend. Because of what he pioneered, he was able to impart to Elisha a double portion of his spirit. Elijah didn't say, I want a double, double anointing from the Lord, just so you're, you're not confused. He said, I want a double portion of your spirit. Elijah, his courage, his boldness, his ferocity, his tenacity established something 
that Elisha says, man, I want double what's on you. I, I, I want your spirit. I want that, you know, to, to, to be on, on me. But today, rhythms of rest uh, is Elijah is physically, emotionally <clears throat> burnt out. He is, he is emotionally exhausted. He left his servant there and he went a day's journey in the wilderness so he's, he's by himself. There are some places you can't take the servants, even though he, he needed companionship, because the, servant, the servant's position in his life was all about work. It was about task. It was about ministry. It was about assignment. It was about calling. It was about what's next. And Elijah's like, I got no more calling. I got no more assignment. I got no more ministry. I got no more what's next. I got no more, hey, um, these are some of the, the, the requests on your agenda. Hey, you know, you need to get back to this. He, he's got no, so he leaves his servant there. But that as he goes into the wilderness, he's, he's, he's alone and he's by himself. He says, I alone am left. It, I, I'm no better than my father's. I see all my weaknesses and all my vulnerability. It is enough now, Lord, take my life. I say all of that to say in 2019, my, my wonderful board, uh, I said to them, hey, man, shoot, you know, six campuses, all the battles that we fought. I really feel like uh, running on, on empty. I want to take a sabbatical in, in 2020. 2020 will be 15 years since we started the church. And so, you know, we kind of made all these arrangements. I had all these invitations to preach in Europe. I thought I'd be fantastic. I'll take my beautiful Leanne and, and the kids and we'll travel through Europe and we'll finish in Paris, France, the city of love for our wedding anniversary on the 15th of August. And it will be a wonderful time <laughs> in the city of love. This here is the Louvre, which sounds like love. Anyway, so, so that was the plan. And then 2020 hits and, you know, it all goes to chaos. And then 2020, we, we couldn't take our hands off the wheel because if it wasn't for, you know, racial division and riots and chaos in the streets and, and people questioning, you know, pe people, people questioning, oh, you know, Pastor Jurgen, is he a white supremacist? Is he a, is he a racist? Is he a, you know, he's a Trump supporter, therefore he must. And it was just, and it was it, the, the, the division. And then, you know, people leaving. Uh, and, and, you know, a good shepherd never feels good when, when people leave. And, um, and so, you know, so we just, we, lo we always love people on the way out. Now, there are some people that we want to help leave. And, uh, but that's only a very small amount. Um, but, but usually our stance is we love them on the way out because we, if we're a church that can't deal with people's faults and people's humanity, then we really got to go back to the drawing board and ask ourselves, are we really called? Because we, we deal with broken people. Pastoring is messy. People don't make their best decisions all the time. And so we had to deal with that. Then we had to deal with the lockdowns and the shutdowns and the church goes online. And there's an, a global pandemic and all of that kind of stuff. And where's the church and where's the church stand? And, and then, um, you know, anyway, and so we open and God, God blesses us. But it was, it was almost like, you know, you couldn't think of a break. So then we get to 2021 and I'm feeling like, shoot, you know, 2019, I felt like I had nothing in the tank. But now, now we're just kind of operating on almost like an adrenaline. So I knew that we needed to take some time out. I knew we needed to take some time out because we went down to, to Cabo. And uh, I remember getting there and we did the all-inclusive thing. And f like I'm, I, I, I'm a bit of a budget guy. So if it's all-inclusive, you better believe I'm getting my money's worth. <laughs> and my, my brain is calculating every day. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we got our money's worth, you know. And so, so we get there and I remember the, the, the delays. And so the dinner, I can't remember what time the dinner was. I think it was like 8 o'clock was a dinner, 8.30 was a dinner. So I'm down by the pool and, you know, I'm not very good. Si hablo español un poquito, solamente. And so, but, but my favorite word down there was uno más, por favor. Uno más. So they're like, you know, Senor, uh, you want another jalapeno margarita? Uno más, Senor. <laughs> Uno más, Hector. And so Hector was my friend. Hector was hilarious because he's like, 
Hey, senor, today is my last day. I'm like, today is your last day. See, down here what they do is they transfer people to different, today is my last, I'm like, man, Hector, you've been so amazing. You know, end of the day, you know, so, you know, I, I give him a decent tip. thinking the poor guy, he doesn't know where he's going to be tomorrow. So the next day I come and, and, uh, and I see uh, Victor and I'm like, oh, Victor, you know, you must be missing Hector. He's like, what are you talking about? I said, well, it was his last day yesterday. Or oh, here in the bar, but he's in the kitchen. <laughs> So I walk over and, and, he's, and he sees me in the kitchen and he's... Little Hector, the little rascal. Anyway, so I, I, fall, as, I fall asleep, uh, you know, in the, and Tommy apparently comes down to wake me, but all the, and then I realize I'm like, I'm not, in a, I'm not in a healthy place. I'm kind of self-medicating here. And, uh, and that's when I realize oh, we, we need to take, take a break. The angel baked coals, uh, baked a cake on coals. The angel gave him water. You've got to be very, very careful in, in a time where you're burned out and where you're frazzled because it's very, very easy to self-medicate. And what you really need is heavenly food. The Bible says at the end of the temptation of Jesus, the angels came and ministered to Jesus. Jesus, remember, he had the power, the devil knew it, that he could turn stones into bread, but he didn't. Rather than himself medicating, he waits for the angels to come. One of the biggest things is you've you got to be very, very careful. It's very easy to, to, to watch the wrong things because it'll give you a hit. When you're tired, when you're numb, your body will, will seek for, for little excitements to you know, and, and so you'll watch programs, you'll watch violence or, or you know, things that are, the, that are scant, scanty. You, 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 because you, your body is craving a high because you, you're so shut down. At that time, you've got to recognize, you've got to realize. So uh, in, in 2 Samuel 21, and I've blown the time, but in 2 Samuel 21, it says that, again, there was war with the Philistines. And David went out with his men, but the Bible says David began to grow faint. Now, David was anointed as a giant slayer. He took down Goliath. Now, these are Goliath's brothers, but, but this is about 20 years later. And David is not as young as he once was. And so he's fighting the same battle, but he doesn't have the same stamina. He's fighting, he's fighting the same warriors, the same giants, but he doesn't carry the same capacity. He still has the anointing. The, the, the anointing hasn't changed. In fact, if anything, the anointing has increased, but the anointing rests on a humanity, on his humanity. And the Bible says, when David grew weary, Ishbi Benob saw, sporting a new sword, thought that he could kill David. But Abishai, the son of Zariah, came to David's aid and kills the giant and saves David's life and says, you'll never again go out. This is really, really important because uh, I, I just need you to understand that the, the anointing, the anointing of God, and we want every one of you to walk in the anointing to increase that anointing on your life. But in Psalm 1829, David says, by the anointing, by the Spirit of God, he says, by you, I can run through a troop and I can leap over a wall. So when the anointing is on you, there's an invincibility because the anointing is the Spirit of God. It, the, the anointing doesn't have limitations. The anointing has, 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 has a superpower effect on you when the anointing comes I, I've had times where I've been so burned out and I'm thinking man I've got nothing left and I get up on the platform to preach and phew, the anointing hits and people are like oh pastor that was the best and I knew driving in in the car I'm like oh dear Jesus I've got nothing to give these people but then you get on the platform because because the anointing has the, the anointing has access to all of heaven. The, the anointing doesn't tire. The anointing doesn't get weary. The anointing doesn't burn. The anointing is the power of God. David said, when the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, I can run through a troop. I can leap over a wall. Really? But that's how you feel under the anointing. So you have to learn how to manage the anointing. Because here's, here's the great dilemma is that the, the, the divine rests on the mortal divinity on humanity and humanity can't handle long bouts of divinity when we were in bible school 
When we were in Bible college, we studied all the great revivals. One of the most profound revivals is the Welsh revival. The Welsh revival was so, so impacting that even today at their rugby games and at their football games, they sing hymns to God in the grandstands. The, 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 the revival was so profound. They had, I think it was like 97% of the nation came to Christ. It was so much so that the coal miners, their, their donkeys, their mules that carried all their tools down into the mines no longer obeyed them because the, the miners were no longer cussing and swearing. And the donkeys are like, what is this? What new language is this? No comprende, senor. It's like, but you know what they didn't tell me in Bible college was that the Welsh revival lasted for 51 weeks, 51 weeks. And I remember, I remember when I found that out, I'm like 51 weeks, what, one week less than a year. It almost lasted a year. Yeah, it lasted for 51 weeks. I'm like, why, why, why didn't they make it a year? Because Evan Roberts had a, a complete and total breakdown and never preached again. Because he would get up under the anointing and preach and people would weep and the power of God would move and people would get healed and people would be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And he, would do, and he did that for 51 weeks every night without a break. Was God turning up? Absolutely. Was the power of God there? Absolutely. Were people getting saved? Absolutely. But he didn't, he didn't measure, he didn't manage his humanity under the anointing of divinity. And so he had a breakdown tragically and never preached again. I remember it, during this time, I, I called Mike Connell because I said, Mike, you know, I don't, I don't think I'm in a, in a good 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 place like I, I find I'm coming home and and I, I want to have one glass of wine maybe even a second glass of wine because it just numbs me enough to help me to sleep and he's like yeah you're not in you're not in a in a good place and he says what you need to do is you just need to get out of San Diego you need to get out of San Diego I said oh why and he told me a story about 25 years ago with all, all the turmoil in his church and he had this split amongst his his board of directors and then that was creating factions in the church and people were leaving and he said it was just pressure 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 and he said he was on the brink of a burnout and so he just said to joy his wife we don't have any money but let's drive from napier on the east coast over to talpo and there's a, a big lake there and it's kind of it's like a, an inexpensive resort kind of village. And he said, let's, let's drive there. And he, and he said, I've got nothing left in the tank. It's about a four-hour drive. He says, I've got nothing left in the tank. He says, I'm going to lay on the back seat and have a sleep. And why don't you, you know, drive and see if you can drive there. And anyway, he says, as they're driving, all of a sudden, he wakes up and he's full of energy, like full of energy. And he sits up and he's like, where are we? Where are we? And Joy goes, oh, my God. Um, yeah, we literally just crossed the border where we're no longer in the Bay of Plenty. We're now in the Taupo, Tomaranui region. And he said the Holy Spirit showed him that while he was in his region, the mantle on him is a mantle to war for that region, to war for that region. But as soon as he crossed that boundary, that mantle lifted off him graciously because this is a region that he doesn't have to war for. So therefore, there's no warfare. So he immediately had energy. If he crosses back this way, that mantle comes back. So, so we found that just, it's only 45 minutes, maybe an hour with traffic. We found just going out into Temecula, sitting there looking at those stunning mountains, ordering duck tacos, duck confit tacos, or a charcuterie board was just the most magnificent escape. I say all of that to say, and I know it's really messy, and I know it's like pastors shouldn't condone, you know, people drinking wine because people can abuse alcohol. They, you condone people getting drunk. If they see you with a glass of wine in your hand, what's to stop them from drinking a whole keg, pastor? You know, it's like, well, what's to stop them is their relationship with the Lord. If they don't have a relationship with God, it doesn't matter what I'm holding in my hand. It's, it's not what's in my hand. It's what's in their heart. Anyway, so, 
So, so I, say, I say all of that, I say all of that to, to just say that Luke 5.16 says, Jesus often withdrew into the wilderness and into the lonely places or isolated regions is literally the Greek and just reconnected with God, recharge. Because every time he was back, everyone was pouring on him. Everyone had demands on him. And even Jesus Christ, who was God in the flesh, had to learn to manage his flesh, had to learn to manage his flesh. Can I just tell you that, that you are a steward over your body. Your body needs rest. Your body needs recharging. Your body needs recreation. Your body needs recreation. The first command for Adam and Eve was to be fruitful and multiply. The actual Hebrew word means recreate. Where we get the word recreation. Don't, don't, don't ever allow yourself. And, and listen, you have to manage this. There's always another soul to save. There's always another village, county, city to reach another church to plant, another leader to develop, another meeting that I need to go to, another. That will never, Jesus said, listen, the poor you'll have with you always. Like there's always, I'm always going to be surrounded by need and there's always going to be opportunity. There's always going to be another meeting. But you need to make sure that you have a recreate. You need to make sure that you have a disconnect. You need to make sure that you have Looking at stunning artwork will invigorate your soul. Drinking a beautiful coffee with Bible and earbuds in, listening to your favorite 80s play track, <laughs> listening to Kim Walker-Smith will reinvigorate the soul. You have to. You have to manage you because the devil knows that so many Christians have been taken out because out of, out of a, a false sense of good intentions or noble intentions or, or even godly pursuits did not manage their humanity. You need sleep. You need food. You need friends and you need fun. That's why we do not apologize. We've had religious people. Well, we like your church pastor, except, you know, we just think you're, you're a little too frivolous. I'm like, yeah, you know what? We're not the church for you because I'm, I'm here to make it to the finish line. And so we're going to have fun. Do we have a little too much fun? You know, like, I don't know. Should Miguel walk out with, with a, a lit cigar? And I mean, should, well... You need fun. Are you having fun? When life's not fun anymore. And in this church, we're determined to have fun. You know, our, 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 our night of Christmas, like, I don't understand. Like, what's the... It's fun and powerful. Fun and powerful. If you said to me, hey, what's, what was the goal for youth ministry? Fun and powerful. What's the goal for my life? Fun and powerful. How do you and Leanne live? Fun and powerful. Laughter does good like a medicine. Laughter does good. You need to be laughing. But can I just tell you, you need friends. Now, the Bible says he who has friends must himself be friendly. So if you're miserable and if you're negative and if you're always pointing out. I remember some, some people that struggle with friends um, that were living in, in Australia. We were living here in America. I travel back and I see them like, and I thought, oh, yeah, I'm going to be kind. I'm going to be friendly. I said, hey, so great to see you. And I said, oh, wow. Gosh, you've put on weight. And you've gotten older. God bless you. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I should invite them over. Maybe they can find a few more faults in me. Maybe by the time I, by the time they leave, I'll feel like absolutely pathetic. I mean, it's just like. And then they can't figure out why no one wants to invite. If you're a negative Nancy, if you're always the downer, nobody's going to invite you. Well, you know, that's just who I am. And if people really love... No, 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 no. That negative Nancy stuff, you need a therapist to get that off. That's not what you dump on your friends. That's not what you dump at the dinner table. That's not what you dump when you go out. 
you get a therapist to say, life sucks and nobody likes me and I can't figure it out. So they can say, it's because you're a negative git. And so... <laughs> anyway, I'm... <laughs> you need friends. You need friends. Life works better with friends. You need fun. You need fun. You need good food. You need good food. Are you, are you kidding? The God that you and I serve created the cayenne pepper. He created margaritas are awesome, but with a little bit of cayenne. Yeah. Fish tacos. If you get mahi-mahi fish tacos, put some cayenne pepper and then some mango salsa on there. Shut the... Are you kidding me? Let me, let, me, let me just prophesy. I know I'm 12 minutes over. Let me just prophesy. Let me just say this. Let me just say this. This, this, is, this is the mentality. This is the mentality I want you to have. I was, I was preaching on Sunday that, that you and I were created in joy for joy. In Genesis 1, God said, let there be light. And he saw the light, that it was good. Evening, morning, first day. And then God creates the, the, the dry ground and it was good. And then God creates the, the, the galaxy, the cosmos, the sun, moon, stars, and it was good. And then God said, let the, the ground bring forth. And the ground brought forth the beasts and, you know, wildebeests and gazelles and kangaroos and koala bears and it was good. And then the oceans brought forth, you know, little, little emperor penguins all dressed up in little tuxedos. And they're all, have you ever seen them? They're always waiting on the edge of the ice like... I know we're, we're dressed up. God's got a plan. We're going somewhere. I just don't know where we're going. It's an Uber. How? And I'm just, and so, you know, so God creates polar. But it, it all has this commentary and it was good. And behold, it was good. And it was good. And it was good. The fourth day, the fifth day, and it was good. But on the sixth day, sixth day, God only does one thing and he creates man in his image and his likeness. That's all he does on the sixth day. The sixth day is exclusively earmarked in God's calendar. There's only one thing he's doing on that day. He's creating you in his image and his likeness. And the Bible says, as the sun was setting on the sixth day, the Lord looked, and this is his commentary on creation, and behold, it was very good. You move the heart of God. Now, God is not a man that he should lie. The creation was upgraded from good to very good when man was put in it. The spirit of this age, the spirit of this world, the spirit of the eco geeko wacko nutters try to say that man is a plague. You're a disease. You're a kind of plague. I wear the cure mr anderson it's it's they, they want you to believe that 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 man is ruining the world and 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 you know if, if someone's child dies of a shark attack well the sharks were here first we it went into their territory no no no, no what the hell are you talking about but 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 that's the spirit of the, world. the spirit of the world wants you to believe that you are less than but I need you to understand God sees that you are more than. So here's, here's the word. Here's the word. Here's the word. Here's the word. Because you are the crown of creation. When you look at San Diego, the best beaches belong to you. The best hiking trails belong to you. The best restaurants, the best hotels, the best coffee shops, the best shopping belongs to you. It, all of that is there for you. You, you, you are the princes and princesses of the city. And you need to see that the best of the city, the best food, the best fish, the best wine, the best fun, the best trails, the best, the best belongs to you because you labor for the city, because you war for the city. You know, the, the Bible teaches that, that um, he who labors deserves to, to have wages from that labor. He who preaches the gospel deserves to from the gospel. Because of what we're doing, you need to understand, you need to enjoy the best of the city. Enjoy the best of the city. Have the best friends. Have the best fun. Have the best food. 
and make sure that you're relaxing. Come on, stand to your feet. I'm way over time. <laughs> Can we also just thank Pastor Matt and Lorenny Tuggle from Salt Lake? Just amazing. They had to navigate a storm and uh, re-navigated. You guys are exceptional leaders. Thank God for you guys in Salt Lake. Come on, turn your palms towards heaven. Father, I thank you right now, Lord God, for the anointing. And we only want the anointing to increase on our lives. But Father, we recognize that, that the, the, the treasures of God reside in earthen vessels. And what we know about earthen vessels is they are prone to decay. They're prone to crack. They're, 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 they're fragile. But that which we carry is eternal. So Father, I thank you, Lord God, today for wisdom, for a blessing. Help us to navigate. Lord, I pray for every marriage, for every marriage, for every marriage that, that, that we would love each other. Let me just say this, just with your eyes closed and your head bowed. 29 years of marriage, this is what I figured out. Men love a beautiful woman. There's something in the heart of man that I love her. She's beautiful. Beautiful is a value for a man. For our wives, what she loves, it's not his pecs. It's not his good looks. It's not he's got a six-pack, even though Hammer has all of those things. This is, what, this is what a woman loves in the man, irrespective of his looks. A man loves a beautiful woman. A woman loves a man who beautifully loves her. The more, the more beautifully you love her, the more kind, the more attentive, the more... The more beautifully you love her, the more she will love you. She, she is in love with the way you love her. You can be the, the most successful, best looking, but if you are a tyrant at home, if you are unkind at home, if you are, that marriage is headed for the rocks. It doesn't matter how big your biceps are, that marriage is headed for the rocks. But you may not have any of those things, but if you love her beautifully, she will never leave you. Father, I thank you right now. I pray for every marriage, every relationship. I pray for friendships. I pray for a refreshing of each and every person. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen. For more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.